0: Hello and welcome to this week's message from Valley Church. Catch up on recent messages and find out what's happening in the life of church by heading to valleychurch.eu or follow us on social media. Enjoy the message. I hope you are all having a great morning. A big warm welcome to North Preston. Thank you, Dan, um, who are streaming in today. I was going to say it's really nice to see you, but it's really nice for you to see me. And it's really nice to see all of you. So welcome. Really warm welcome if you're new and visiting as well. Um, we have just got back from Chile. It's been an adventurous few weeks. <sighs> I just listening to Pastor Dave list all the list of things that went wrong with the flights, exhausted me all over again. So we are, we are really, really grateful and relieved and appreciative to be home and back with our families and with our church family. Um, yeah, you just appreciate everything a whole lot more, don't you? And you've been, you've been away and you've seen how other people live. And you get back to your life and you go, wow, I'm blessed. Um, and I can't encourage you enough to chat to the people that went to Chile. There were quite a lot of us. Um, make sure you have a, a chat with them today. Catch them, ask them what they took from it. Uh, because everyone took something really significant. So, If you're taking notes, the, uh, the title of our message this morning is Speak the Truth in Love. Which is straight out of Ephesians 4, verse 15 which says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Instead. Instead of what? Instead of being infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to maturity. I'm not that old, Agreed, thank you. That was slow. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not that old yet. So some of you in here are like, yeah, baby. And others are like, no, you're quite old. You turn 30 soon. Um, But I don't feel that old, right? And yet, since I was a child, I've watched society change massively. Um, I've watched my own beliefs and values change, even though I've been actively following Jesus the whole time, until I was 14. you were were allowed to smoke inside in the UK. Do you remember that? Um, Restaurants, they used to have like smoker seating and non-smoker seating, as if there was some kind of magical air barrier down the middle of the room, right? Um, When I was 10, flared pants were very much in. When I was 15, they were out forever, never going back, except now they're back, right? And I can't understand it because honestly, my chief memories of them are of how they would soak the rain up off the pavement and get stuck in my bicycle chain. Not practical at all. Crocs. Everybody apart from my husband hates Crocs. Everybody loves Crocs. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Social psychologists have looked back at society through history and they have suggested that the development of culture and society over time look a bit like this image that we're gonna share with you now which is a pendulum. Uh, so society is swinging between two major opposing extremes. The pendulum's on its way. Just picture a pendulum. So it swings between two major opposing extremes, and there's a smaller range of like healthy mediums in the middle, uh, and that's known as Overton's window. It has a, a fancy name and everything. Uh, and those use kind of that shifts around slightly in the middle. That window. There you go. Chaos everywhere, apart from in the middle. And the pendulum can't help its trajectory, right? Back up towards the opposite extreme as it swings away from the first. And we end up in that society tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, right? And that doesn't matter too much when it's Crocs. It doesn't matter too much when it's flared jeans, but when it comes to matters of liberty and truth, it really matters. And when we build our foundation, um, the foundation of our life on God and his word, uh, we don't have to live that way, right? And we're not called to live that way. When we build our life on God's word, the pendulum becomes an anchor. Weighty, immovable, steadfast, no matter what storms rage around it. We're in our series, as Pastor Dave mentioned, titled, The Truth Will Set You Free. And today's topic is gender and identity. Now, Pastor Ed mentioned this when he opened our series last week, but in case you missed him saying it, please don't go away offended. If you hear anything that you don't understand or that makes you just feel a bit off, just don't go away offended. Come and speak to any of our pastors about it. Is that okay? Great. I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Father God, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you go before us. I thank you for the amazing worship that we've experienced this morning that prepares our hearts to receive your word. Uh, and I pray, God, that as I speak this morning, um, your truth will resound, um, your, your grace will flow. Uh, and God, that we would just come to know you and your truth more clearly this morning. Help us, uh, help us to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So point number one for us this morning is identity. So part of this anchor that we're called to be rooted in, is the truth of our identity. And it's the same with our identity as anything else. If we're not anchored in God's truth, we're getting swept around by the pendulum of society. And who doesn't want to know who they are, right? Who doesn't want to know who they are? So my three-year-old loves this horrendous program. It's only awful because it's weird and boring. Um, It's called Dinosaur Train. I don't know if anybody knows about dinosaurs. Isn't it weird? Dinosaur Train. And the whole premise seems to be that a T-Rex egg has somehow ended up in like a, a clutch of pteranodon eggs. And when they all hatch, the pteranodon mum is like, eh, I'll keep you. She adopts a T-Rex, basically. And then every episode they go on adventures to meet lots of different kinds of dinosaur so the T-Rex can figure out who he is and where he belongs. And kids can learn about dinosaurs. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty cute, right? But this poor, this poor little T-Rex has no clues to his identity other than what he looks like, what he likes to eat. And then he knows that sometimes dinosaurs grow up to look different than they look when they're little. Um, And so he keeps thinking you know, that he's found his tribe. He keeps thinking he's found his people. But then he realizes he just can't be sure who he is or where he belongs. And that's just a low budget, and it is a really low budget, kids show. But it paints a frighteningly accurate picture of how people go about trying to figure out who they are, you know? Going from tribe to tribe, seeing if they fit, adopting styles they like, shunning others that might get them rejected. And I think we can smile sympathetically as Christians sometimes, can't we? And go, oh, isn't that sad? But we do it too in churches, don't we? Because identity is the human pursuit. And when we go looking for answers to our identity anywhere other than our creator, our life can end up looking a bit like our next image. This. <laughs> Imagine your life is like a pencil on paper. Who am I? Follow the line to what your family say. Follow the line to what your friends say. Follow the line to what your school said about you. Follow the line to what your social media says you should be like. Follow your line through all the things that get rewarded in society. Follow the line through your first job, your second job, your third job. And you're in a complete mess. So by the time you get onto the questions of, what am I here for? And am I valuable? You're in too much of a mess to be sure of anything. And this is why it's so messy, and frankly so scary, for us to join any conversation on the gender and identity debates that are raging in society right now. And I think that's true regardless of the stance that you might take on any of it, because at least the people we're talking to, if not we ourselves, are living in that place of of mess, right? When I watch the way that people in our society are uh, trying to figure out who they are, I have this image in my head of myself struggling to work a gadget or a piece of machinery, and I take it to bits to try and understand it better, to figure out how it works. But then, when I want it to function, all I have is this mess of broken parts. So I try and put that back together as I see fit, and it's just never going to work, is it? It's never going to work unless I've got an instruction manual. Unless there's some place I can go to figure out what parts I'm made of, how they fit together, and what I'm for. Why would we go anywhere other than our creator to figure out who we are and how we work? He's given us an instruction manual called the Bible so that we don't have to guess. And when we go to him first, our lives represented in pencil and paper look like this. God's at the center, and his truths radiate out and make perfect sense of everything. When we're struggling with who we are, we need to remember whose we are, yeah? Galatians 4 verse 7 in the Passion Translation says, we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we are his, we can access everything our father has, for we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. If we want to live in that place where we're anchored, content knowing who we are and what we're for, we first have to submit to him and trust him. Yeah. And that can be difficult in a world where we're used to being let down or taken advantage of. But we don't need to stay the victims of those experiences. We can bring them to God and let him deal with them. And it leads to redemption and transformation. Not always overnight. Caveat detangling that mess and healing hurts, it's a journey that we commit to. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're stuck on any of that, if you're wrestling with what the Bible says and whether you can trust it, I, I would love to encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Ed's message from last Sunday morning. He covers it really well. If you've not heard it, you can get it on podcast. Go do that. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. good. Awesome. Our next point this morning is truth. So when we've put our identity in the anchor of God's word and decided to be secured in that rather than blown around on the winds of popular culture, what is the truth when it comes to gender and identity? Let's turn to page one of our instruction manual, which says about the most controversial thing it's possible to say at the minute in the West. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. There are men and women. They're not the same. That's how God designed it. All of creation reflects it. In Genesis two, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Ladies, what a compliment. God looked at man alone in creation and went, nope, that that won't work. And made women. We're vital. We're needed. And we weren't just an afterthought. And you know, it's not like God didn't realize that it wasn't good for man to be alone until he saw him standing there. He makes that statement for our benefit. It's his design. He knew from the beginning that man wouldn't be alone. He knew from the beginning that the best reflection of himself, which is what we are, his image, would be distinctly individual persons who join together to become one throughout the bible god reveals himself as being one in three distinct persons each of whom are completely god matthew 28:19 says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit each of these persons who are completely god exist in perfect harmony they have their own roles and functions as well as a hierarchy which we will get onto in the next point. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 says therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And this is why marriage between one man and one woman is something that we honor and defend as sacred because men and women are designed by God to join together in marriage to reflect his image, yeah? Now, there might be some younger people, possibly, sat there itching to tell me that I'm talking about sex, not gender. (laughs) And certainly not gender identity, I know. The thing is, we've all been brought up to see gender and sex as these two very different categories. When actually you might have no idea that gender is a really recent concept. Really recent. It was first used in 1955. Someone came up with it as a way to enable them to distinguish between biology and character. So, when we talk about gender, we're really often talking about personality. And that's part of the difficulty with, you know, all the talk about gender identity. Gender versus sex is part of the swing of the pendulum. And I talked about Overton's window in the middle of that pendulum, that healthy range of differing viewpoints in society. The concept of gender is outside of that window. We are, we are high up on one side, and the pendulum is going to swing back at some point. The truth is, the truth is that God made two sexes, and a million different types of personality and character that can exist in either of them. But young people are getting caught up in all of this when they're being fed all this information about gender that's actually more about personality. And you know, they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. They, they aren't sure who they are and where they fit. And rather than telling them, don't worry, you're normal. The things that you're worried about right now, they're gonna make more and more sense to you as you grow up. Trusted adults in their world are telling children, yeah, sorry, there's been some kind of cosmic mix up and you're in the wrong body. Since when do we want to create a society that tells young people they're not good enough as they are? If we go through life with no absolute standard of truth and only an idea of what we think is best, we're going to get ourselves into a mess. When we accept no higher authority than ourselves, we're we're the ones pulling the pendulum back high to let it go swinging wildly. The truth, the truth is that God designs us he designs us. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And God doesn't make mistakes. He purpose-built you. You, you every single one of you, are custom-made. The idea of a person being able to change their gender because they aren't happy with themselves is very recent. And it isn't based in facts or figures. It's based in how we feel. we can't count on how we feel every single one of us has to deal with some aspect of our identity that we don't particularly like everybody goes through that but not every one of those things is a problem that has to be solved right sometimes it's attention to manage paul talks in 2 corinthians 12 about a thorn in his flesh that god hasn't taken away and honestly i find it so encouraging I read it so often, and I sometimes speculate about what it might have been. I'm like, why didn't didn't you tell us what the thorn was? But I'm really glad he didn't, because it's like, insert your problem here, yeah? Because of the mystery, everyone can relate. Because of that thorn, we know that when we encounter tensions or problems in our identity, Christ's power can become perfect in it, yeah? In our weakness, he can be strong. In John 8, verses 31 to 32, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Practically, holding on to Jesus' teaching and knowing the truth means we've all got some work to do. All of us. Whenever we come up against a problem in our identity, we need to drill down to that. We'll drill down into it, You know, come to terms with it. Make sense of it. Own it. We can't ever just cover it up and hope that it will go away. It it won't work. It won't happen. Are there any parts of your identity that you struggle with? Maybe it's gender. Maybe it's not. Could be to do with your personality or your background. Hold on to Jesus' teaching. Know the truth. Let it set you free. Our next point this morning is lies. What are some of the lies that we are in danger of being swept, swept away by on this pendulum? One of them is this modern concept of gender as a spectrum that completely muddles the binary categories of male and female with an almost infinite number of personality traits and physical characteristics. And there's no scientific standard by which to determine any of those, right? It's like, oh, you're ambitious? Definitely more male. Not sure. <laughs> so I, I am one of those women who has a more typically masculine personality type. I am, I'm not as emotional as most other women. I, I tend to be logical, ambitious, driven. I find it hard to look people in the eye and talk about my feelings. All of those things more usually describe men than women. But I'm sure you'd all agree very quickly with me that none of that makes me any less of a woman. Right? Right. Right. And people have assumed in the past about uh, myself and my husband, Jack, that I wear the pants. In my marriage, Alex the same preacher. She knows exactly where I'm going with this. Because of my personality, opposite my husband, who can't stand confrontation, is very laid back, will happily talk about his feelings and give anybody a hug. Nope. Jack is the head of our household, as God designed it. And for us that doesn't mean much about the preferences of cooking and cleaning and parenting and managing. Like, we figure out what works best for our family, and we figure that out together and we pull our weight. But Jack is the head of the household, and what what does that mean? Imagine for a second that you are stood on the street with your family, in a line, and a car comes hurtling towards you. Who jumps behind who for protection? My instinct, as, as much as I love Jack, my instinct would be to jump behind my husband. His instinct in a heartbeat would be to get in front of me, right? My child, I would defend without a second thought. <laughs> Physically, Jack is first in line, and it's the same spiritually. Ephesians 5:25 says, "Husbands love your wives." As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Godly masculinity comes in all kinds of personality types. When you're single, godly masculinity is about responsibility and respectability. When you're married, it's the specific responsibility of being the head, as the Father is the head of the Trinity. It's a responsibility to protect, defend, uphold, sacrifice, you're all for. It's nothing to do with a power trip, ego, calling the shots, get anyway. Godly femininity comes in all kinds of personality types. A woman can lead whether she's married or not, so long as she recognizes that single she submits to Jesus. Married, she's also chosen to submit to her husband, chosen to. And of course, we should all submit to Jesus regardless of our gender, right? But here's the cultural lie that really gets my goat personally? Well, the Bible says that women are just a helper. And we read earlier, the Bible just say, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll create a helper suitable for him. But you know, people conveniently forget who else the Bible calls helper. And I don't think the Holy Spirit feels short-changed to be the helper of the Trinity. You know, in John 14, 26, Jesus tells his disciples the Holy Spirit will be their divine helper in times to come. What is the God-given image of helper provided by the Holy Spirit? In 1 Corinthians 12, it's decision-making. In John 15, it's speaking. In John 14, it's teaching. In Romans 8, it's interceding and articulating. I know a lot of women that love to intercede and articulate. In 2 Corinthians 12, it's turning weaknesses into strengths. In 1 Corinthians 2, it's guiding. It's, It's not a trivial thing to be a helper. And if there's hierarchy and distinction of role in the trinity, there can be hierarchy and distinction of role in a marriage. It has nothing to do with value. And it has nothing to do with personality. And perhaps most controversially, it doesn't need to have anything to do with who cooks the dinner and who mows the lawn. But here's the crucial bit, okay? We can disagree on the details of that stuff, and there's no need to argue just make sure you marry someone you're in agreement with, okay? Or who you trust enough to figure all of that out with if you're not sure where you stand yet. Because often when you're young, you don't, you know? The best thing we can do, single or married, is to remember that we're designed to work together. God looked at man alone and said, that's not good. Men and women working in harmony is God's good design. But since the fall, when Adam and Eve tried to take control rather than submit control to God... Men and women were stricken with a consequence that has made their relationship difficult sometimes. Amen? God told Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. All humans want to be in charge. Yeah, All humans want control. It's just another lie of the enemy that you, whether you're a man or a woman, can be in control. We all need to submit to God and we all need to remember that this this particular conversation is one about men and women stepping up to their full potential together in Jesus. Yeah. Do you trust God to get it right for you? Do you? Do you trust God to get it right for you? Submit to his design. The other lies that we're in danger of being swept away by are the ones that really sometimes get Christians where it hurts. Who are we to judge? It's not loving to tell people that they're wrong. What's the harm in letting other people live how they want to live? And that leads us to our final point, which is speak. And my wonderful husband can come back up and play the keys for us. (laughs) Thanks, Jack. Speak. Why bring it all up? Why not just stay quiet? Avoid making a fuss? Let people live how they want to live? We've already done that. And our society has moved beyond it. It's now no longer socially acceptable to think that men are men and women are women. Anything less than pride results in persecution. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak the truth in love. Now the context of that is within the body of believers, like, like this, right? As is happening today. And community is key. We need to be a community who speak the truth in love. The truth is the Bible, not our opinion or our feelings. We must speak and not stay silent, and we must do so in love, right? With a pastor's heart. 2 Timothy two twenty three says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. So let's not get drawn into debates, but let's absolutely speak the truth in love. The whole chapter of Ephesians 4 is encouraging us towards maturity. It tells us to take our old selves off and put our new selves on. It reminds us that we live by different standards once our faith is in Christ. And it reminds us of all of that gently. Its closing words are Ephesians 4 verses 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you it sets the tone for how we're supposed to approach these discussions and it gives us that very clear direction that we are to be speaking the truth in love so that we can grow into maturity that's what we're doing today we're not bitty bitter <laughs> we're not bitter we're not angry and we're not slanderous We're kind, compassionate, and forgiving. But we're speaking. We're speaking the truth in love. And I think it's likely that there are people in here today who really do feel like you're blown here and there and swept away by every wind of teaching. And it might well be gender for you, but it could also be anything else. (laughs) The truth of God's word is an anchor that will center your life. And the truth of God's word says that you were designed by him, you are loved by him, you are forgiven by him. Jesus says, lose your life for his sake and you will find it. He laid his life down for your sake so that there will be nothing standing in the way of you and your heavenly father. Have you been getting swept away? A little or a lot? And are you ready to feel anchored again? We're gonna pray. We're gonna to pray together right now. Father God, thank you for each of your children here in this room, who you designed, you custom made, you created on purpose and for a purpose. God, you see every heart in the room. You know which ones are at peace and which ones are in turmoil. And God, I pray that your love would surround us today as we try to figure these things out, I pray that you would help us to submit to you. I pray, God, that you would help us to trust you like never before. God, I pray that you would give us the the courage that we need at whatever stage we're at to speak the truth in love and to have conversations with people about where we're at. And I pray that you would give us um, the wisdom and the grace that we need, Lord, to be kind and compassionate while we speak that truth. We thank you that there is always hope in you. We thank you, Jesus, that nothing is beyond the power of your redemption. We thank you that you've got an amazingly bright future for each and every person who is in here who is looking to put you first in their lives. We thank you for all of that, and we say, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you've been impacted by it and would like to respond by choosing to follow Jesus, we'd love to help you to do that. One of our pastors would love to be in touch with you. Why not email response at valleychurch.eu or head to valleychurch.eu forward slash next steps to discover more. We're so excited for your future. Be blessed.